Happy Football Friday here on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, and I'm your host, Ariel Epstein, taking you through the next three hours. We've got you covered until noon Eastern time on the grid. We're going to talk college football. Week zero is upon us. We're going to have a regular season football this weekend, and I cannot wait to put my social life on hold for the next six, seven months. It's great. Bye, all my friends. See ya. See you later. We also have NFL preseason week three, the final week of the preseason wrapping up this weekend. Major League Baseball, it's still a thing. Last night, the New York Yankees decided we're going to play until 1.30 in the morning here on the East Coast. Yeah, I decided to not stay up for that because the Padres and the Dodgers, I decided to not stay up for that 16-inning game two dates ago. And... Yeah, it was the right choice. I need to catch up on sleep. Football season is here, and my co-host, Ben Stevens, is probably the most excited person in the room because he's got college football on the slate for the weekend. What's up, Ben? Ariel, the four greatest words in sports. College football starts tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. A Big Ten opener what about today? to get things underway? No, like, I, Nebraska? I feel like tomorrow, those are the best four words in sports. College football starts today. Are- you say it tomorrow. No. Okay. Yeah, that's also pretty good. But right now, for what we're doing, (laughs) college football starts tomorrow. That'll count, and that'll bring me in to tomorrow. And then I will say college football starts today. We get college game day tomorrow. We get a Big Ten tilt to start off the college football season. Nebraska and Illinois, Champaign, Illinois, Memorial Stadium. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. Hawaii, UCLA, I could go on and on and preseason football on top of that. Major League Baseball, yeah, I still care. I'm still liking what I'm seeing. It has been so exciting to finally be at this point. Week zero of the college football season. Last weekend in August. Here we go. It's going to be a ton of fun. Also, last year was just such a different vibe. Last year, it was so many question marks. Are we going to have seasons? Are we going to have these games actually play out? Will we have a champion? There were just so many uncertainties. There were also teams that didn't play. We're going to see teams for the first time in almost two years tomorrow. That's going to be one of the more exciting things about this is knowing that we have a season underway after last year. We put those worries aside for now. Just enjoy the moment. Ben, also, you mentioned how Major League Baseball, you're still into it. Hey, yesterday, you hit your best bet of the day, and you went on the over Chris Sale strikeout prop, and it hit. I mean, between preseason football in the NFL and now Major League Baseball, Ben Stevens, you may never want the month of August to end. Listen, here's a little bit of a spoiler as well. My baseball bets, if you've been tailing and tracking, have not been great through the early part of the month of August. I was very happy to have NFL preseason bets because it gave me a distraction from my terrible Major League Baseball bets. I was having a very difficult time handicapping that sport, but now two nights in a row, we have hit on a Major League Baseball best bet as part of Till Bet Do Us Part. And yesterday, thanks to Chris Sale having his third immaculate inning in his Major League Baseball career, Chris Sale goes over that strikeout prop of seven and a half yesterday for the Boston Red Sox against the Minnesota Twins. Three immaculate innings in Chris Sale's career. The last guy to have an immaculate inning, Chris Sale. The pitcher before that, also Chris Sale. He now ties Sandy Koufax, as my mother would call him, Sandala, for the most immaculate innings in a Major League Baseball career. Three of them, Chris Sale, over his strikeout prop as well. As we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here to the morning after. We're just getting underway. It's a football Friday. College football starts tomorrow. Preseason NFL football tonight. Major League Baseball action as well. It's Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. Yes, 
Chris Sale over his strikeout prop of seven and a half. The Boston Red Sox continue to get a win, solidifying that position in that AL wild card spot, that second and final AL wild card spot. So all is good. The baseball bets are rolling. I'm hoping to bring that with me into the weekend of preseason football, especially college football tomorrow, Ariel. Ben, I have to ask, because now we're going to have college football. I know that you are just all in. You watch every game almost, and you probably are like me and have no life once football season starts. What are you doing to celebrate tomorrow and watch all these college football games? Well, in fact, I'll be here for you, the loyal audience of the Sports Grid Network. I will be hosting in-game live with my man Joe Ranieri from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern right here in this very spot. We will be giving you the live updated in-game opportunities to bet on college football. We will have Nebraska-Illinois during that window. We will have UConn-Fresno State during that window. The early portion of UCLA in Hawaii during that window. So not only will we be enjoying the start of college football week zero together, we might be able to make you some live opportunities and some money and winning wagers on college football. I will be incredibly excited. I have my fantasy football draft in the morning. I will be watching college game day in the background. We will be taking that in to the first Saturday of the college football season. I am so excited for this weekend. The mice, they can't even hold me down. Wait, wait, wait. You're doing a fantasy football draft in the morning? The morning? Yeah. What? Yeah. Who does that? We got to get ready for college football. We got to get ready for college football. Day. My fantasy yeah, football draft is next Sunday at night where you could have some wine, drink some beers, have some snacks, some dinner. I mean, who has a football draft in the morning? You can have breakfast. Bloody Mary's, Ariel. Yeah, I'm so 100%. confused. This, is, uh, this just seems so wrong. It seems so wrong. Fantasy football drafts, you have a beer in front of you and you're chilling and it's like at night. Yeah. And then afterwards, you maybe you'll go out. I don't know. This that thing that sounds so bizarre to me. But okay, to each its own. I, I hope the mice don't get to you. That's really my main concern. Coming up oh, next, we're gonna go through some updates from around the NFL. We did have breaking news this morning coming out of the New Orleans Saints camp. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on the morning after on sports grid it's sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein breaking news this morning the new orleans saints have announced their quarterback it will be mr 2020 vision himself Jameis winston the former tampa bay buccaneers quarterback was actually at minus 280 to win this job back in may when fanduel first posted it Taysom hill was at plus 220 it, the odds indicated, Ben, that Winston was going to win this job. Obviously, the preseason was going to help solidify the case. The head coach of the Saints, Sean Payton, to me, it's the right move. You don't have to worry about changing your offense too much, and you can continue to use Taysom Hill in the role that you've been using him at, which really helps that they're off defenses. 
I mean, Sean Payton still loves Taysom Hill. He will be a factor of this New Orleans Saints offense some way or another. Although Taysom has reiterated each and every step along the way that he wants to play quarterback in the NFL. Not this utility guy, but quarterback. But that being said, it is 2020 vision for the 2021 NFL season for the New Orleans Saints. Jameis Winston, our guy, getting the start. You mentioned he was plus or minus 280 at a certain point after the preseason game on Monday night. Jameis Winston was minus 490 on the FanDuel Sportsbook to be the Saints week one starter at quarterback. And rightfully so, he has had a great preseason, especially in that performance Monday night for the Saints when Jameis was 9 of 10 for 123 yards and two touchdowns. Absolutely dotted it out there to everybody that the Saints had at his disposal. So I think it was the right call by Sean Payton. I think it gives the Saints the best chance to win. I still do not look to go over of anything with the Saints right now, especially that team win total. I'm staying away from that. But I think this is the first move in the right direction for Jameis Winston at the starting quarterback position and the best thing for that Saints offense. Yeah, I would just like to see that Jameis doesn't throw a million interceptions again, leading the league in passing touchdowns and interceptions. That's no, not a way to win football games. They are going to be up against his former team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so that'll be interesting to watch that happen in back-to-back games or in two games this year. Uh, some other updates from around the NFL, which, of course, the Jameis Winston news is the newest. However, Cam Newton is also back for the New England Patriots. Cam returned to practice after quote-unquote, like, violating COVID protocols. Not really. He just didn't follow the rules correctly. It was a whole miscommunication. According to the head coach of the Patriots, Bill Belichick, Cam didn't actually uh, break any rules. The whole COVID situation was a little confusing. However, Cam is back at practice. They do have their final preseason game against the New York Giants this weekend. Yet, Ben, what's most, what should make any Patriots fan happiest about this is that cam's not going to miss a significant amount of time clearly he tested negative for covid it's not as if they have to knock wood worry about week one yeah there was some confusion i think based on the league protocols where you need to have daily tests on site so they can record that versus cam going off site for something still receiving daily tests but it did not line up with the nfl protocols and health guidelines that are in place but cam is back now and according to my guy george blechie who works for nesson along with our good friend sammy p he said that yesterday when he was at practice cam was bringing that energy in the joint practice against the new york giants and a lot of teams around the nfl will tell you these joint practices are a great representation it's not exactly the game reps you get during a preseason football game but it's as close as you can get and you want to see that competitive nature and Cam certainly provided that yesterday for the New England Patriots. He will be the week one starter. Will he play in preseason week number three against the New York Giants on Sunday? That remains to be seen. I think you can expect to see a lot of Mac Jones. But when you look at this Patriots-Giants line for the preseason finale on week number three, the Pats a three-and-a-half-point favorite. New England has been dominant so far throughout the preseason. A perfect 2-0 and coming off a 35-0 shutout against the Philadelphia Eagles this past week. The ground game has been great, and Cam and Mac have both looked outstanding. So you see New England favored by three and a half. It opened at three and a half. After some of the confusion around Cam, it went down to three. Now back to three and a half. The total up by two now that Cam is back. And we expect to see a lot of Mac Jones. 33 and a half to 35 and a half. And do not forget, as you are handicapping this game for the final day of preseason action this upcoming Sunday, Daniel Jones is expected to play and make his preseason debut for the New York Giants. Who will be around him? That remains to be seen. But make sure you take that into your handicap as you get ready for this weekend. 
Also, what probably won't affect this preseason game with the Giants yet could play a role in week one is that the Giants running back Saquon Barkley was participating in practice with the Giants yesterday. Quote, said he felt good after his first taste of live drills post-injury. He did tear his ACL on his right knee last year in game two of the regular season. Saquon had three catches, eight live reps, looked natural, had the no-contact jersey on, that red no-contact jersey. Um, So he wasn't making contact initially, really didn't think about it at all, Saquon said, which is a really good sign. Then going into week one, even week two, I mean, week one, they get the Denver Broncos, a really tough defense to go up against. The Broncos are favored to win that game against the Giants. Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay are going to be the keys to success for Daniel Jones. If both those players are healthy, Daniel Jones has to have a successful season or else the Giants are really going to be questioning their future quarterback. DJ looking to take that step into year number three, a very crucial year of development for quarterbacks around the NFL. Kenny Galladay on the outside, Kadarius Toney, the draft pick out of Florida. When you look at Evan Ingram, who might be a top 10 tight end, you add Kyle Rudolph to that piece. And of course, Saquon Barkley. And the plan was all along this week to ramp him up in production, to get him back to these live drills. Saquon is now back. The fact that he said he is feeling good is a good indication of where things might go for week number one. Now that line against the Denver Broncos is interesting because because we saw some movement in favor of Denver yesterday after Teddy Two Gloves was named the starter for the Denver Broncos. It went from one to one and a half in favor of the Denver Broncos. So I wonder if it is confirmed if Saquon plays week number one, if we will see any more line movement there. Maybe a running back doesn't move the market as much as a quarterback being named the starter for a franchise. Also, one thing to note about that week one line, the total is 42 and a half between the Giants and the Broncos. The smallest total of all of them week number one of the regular season in the NFL if you're looking for some value on Saquon Barkley you think he is trending in the right direction and it's a time to jump in on him I would have my hesitation but if you believe that you can't find his over under for rushing yards props on the FanDuel Sportsbook but he is 16 to 1 to lead the league in rushing yards this year and he is 7 to 1 tied for the second shortest odds on FanDuel currently to be the comeback player of the year if you're looking for value on Saquon and you're looking for some plus money prices those would be the two markets I'd direct you in I like comeback player of the year market Dak Prescott and the Cowboys I'm not as high on them as other people are if the Cowboys don't have if the Cowboys don't even win the division I don't think Dak Prescott would deserve comeback player of the year another piece of breaking news from the last 24 48 hours that could impact week three of the preseason the Tennessee Titans the Titans have a COVID outbreak and it includes their quarterback Ryan Tannehill their head coach Mike Vrabel and nine other players nine total players actually on the team and coaches who have tested positive for COVID-19 the preseason game is against the Bears on Saturday as of yesterday Ben I didn't even see odds up for this game Correct, and that's the biggest impact I think we will see for this preseason week three tilt between the Bears and the Titans. I don't think we were going to expect to see Ryan Tannehill or a lot of the starters. They haven't played virtually at all this preseason, but Ryan Williams was on the show yesterday saying to take the over of the 36 and a half because the backups for Tennessee, Matt Barkley and Logan Woodside, have looked very good. We're going to see a lot of Justin Fields this upcoming Saturday as well, but now the odds are off the FanDuel Sportsbook. I think we need to put one thing in perspective, though, and some context. When you look around the NFL, from the August 1st start date of training camp and really around when we started here this month through August 21st, there have been 68 confirmed positive tests throughout the NFL. That's players and staff. 
That's 0.95%. So it's not overwhelmingly drastic. This for the Tennessee Titans, a little bit worrisome at the moment, but they will have a long break ahead of that week one regular season opener against the Arizona Cardinals. I do not expect any of these COVID positives to affect them into the regular season. As of right now, Tennessee, a three-point favorite, but good to keep in context. 0.95% of all the tests done throughout the NFL have come, come back positive. That's a very small number, obviously, under one. So keep that in context as you approach and read things throughout this preseason. For sure. Something good to keep in mind. And then lastly, Joe Burrow for the Bengals, likely going to play week, uh, week three of the preseason. Tua Tungavailoa on the other side of that game, not going to play along with many other Dolphins starters. We'll talk Major League Baseball recaps from a gambling perspective up next. There are a lot of sports talk. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. In Major League Baseball yesterday, I was on a bunch of unders. It was the wrong day to be betting unders. In fact, uh, the over-unders yesterday, um, overs went 9-3. and three. So, mm. yeah, that was a, a bad day to be on unders. One of the games that went over, go figure, the Baltimore Orioles beat the Los Angeles Angels 13-1 for the Orioles' second win in a row. I say go figure, not that the Orioles won because they were on a 19-game losing streak three days ago. It was more that the total goes over of 10.5, and, and overs in Camden Yards continue to hit. 61% is what the overs in Camden Yards are hitting. Anything over 60% to me is a legitimate trend. Ben, the other trend, Shohei Otani hits his 41st home run of the season for the Los Angeles Angels. Their only run of the day, of course. Un and another trend that we highlight all the time, Shohei Otani doing cool things, the Angels losing a baseball game. Do not look at the <laughs> score bug when it comes to Shohei Otani highlights. His 41st home run of the year, a Major League Baseball best. He has been doing this, Ariel, and been at the top of the MVP market for so long on FanDuel. I honestly haven't checked in the last week and a half. I just went back to look. 35 to 1, minus 3,500 to win the American League MVP. When you couple the home runs that he's leading Major League Baseball with 41 and all of his pitching stats this year, yes, he is running away with the American League MVP. Like you mentioned, Camden Yards, the site to the second most home overs in all of Major League Baseball. Yet again, even when a team only scores one, the Orioles come through with 13, 14 to go over that total pregame of 10. And Ariel, are you excited like I'm excited? The Tampa Bay Rays are in Camden Yards today, which means we are taking every over possible in that game. A Tampa Bay team total, the over of the game total at 10 right now, 10 only. Matt Harvey's on the bump. Yeah, give me all the overs today, Camden. We're going to talk about that game in happy hour. I did tweet it out yesterday. I said, even though it was a brutal day for me in taking some unders, I knew that the Tampa Bay Rays were going to Camden Yards today, and that 
just made my entire night feel better. Another game yesterday, the Chicago White Sox beat the Toronto Blue Jays 10-7. Ben, I told you this game was at 3 p.m. Eastern time yesterday. I was really excited to watch the White Sox and Jays because the Jays were up 2-1 in this best-of-four game series. The White Sox actually had a 9-2 lead going into the bottom of the sixth inning, and Toronto ends up scoring five runs. Well, the White Sox get the win, and they were minus 106 on the money line. However, this thing goes flying over a total of eight, and the White Sox just almost blew a 9-2 lead in the sixth inning, which would have just been a horrible meltdown. I was also very excited for this afternoon baseball game to watch what we anticipated to be a great pitching matchup in the daytime, maybe looking at a first five total of four and a half. I was a little bit indecisive on which way I wanted to go because the Toronto Blue Jays hit left-handers so well. The White Sox a little bit less, but they hit left-handers very well yesterday, and Hunjin Ryu gave up seven earned runs in his pitching performance yesterday on the bump, so sailing way over that first five total of four and a half. But a big win for the White Sox because we have said, Ariel, and as we've been following, they have dominated a porous AL Central. It is why they have one of the best records in the American League. But against the top-notch competition in the American League, it hasn't fared so well for Chicago this season. So a big win over Toronto, who is a good team in the American League. Not a playoff team at the moment, but still a good team. You've seen the White Sox odds to win the AL pennant get a little bit longer throughout this week as they have struggled against Tampa Bay and now Toronto, two teams from the AL East. Plus 320 to win the AL pennant. The Houston Astros, the shortest odds right now on FanDuel at plus 195. Why the Tampa Bay Rays don't have the shortest odds? Still beyond me, but that's how it stands right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So ridiculous. You look at how good the AL East is. How do you not put the first place team in the American League, American League East as the best odds to win the pennant, it's just mind-boggling. Maybe they think because these teams know each other so well, they'll beat up on each other in the playoffs. Otherwise, one thing we've seen, the Chicago White Sox in one of the weakest divisions in baseball, it's hurting them against the big teams. We're going to be back in about 15 seconds. We'll welcome in our MSG audience and talk New York baseball up next. Back here on the morning after, welcome into our MSG audience. We're on Sirius XM Channel 204 as well with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. We were in the middle of talking about Major League Baseball. It was a huge day for overs, hitting at 9-3 and three yesterday. And for the New York Yankees, this game went very late into the night. Not as late as a 16-inning Dodgers-Padres game two days ago, yet too late to the point that because I have a morning show, I cannot stay up for it. The Yankees do end up getting the win in the top of the ninth inning. It was Aaron Judge with a bloop single, and the Yankees scored the go-ahead run winning 7-6 over the Oakland Athletics. The Yankees win their 12th straight game, which is the longest winning streak in their last 60 seasons. 6-0. This is one of the best franchises in all of sports, and this is the longest winning streak they've had in 60 years, Ben. It has been absolutely incredible to watch the Yankees storming their way into the American League playoff picture, holding that top spot in the American League wildcard race right now by more than three games over the Boston Red Sox. Not more than just three games over the Boston Red Sox. Also implications for the Oakland Athletics who have now lost five straight and are outside of that AL wildcard spot by two and a half games. So the A's trying to rally this weekend up in the Bay but are facing the hottest team in all of baseball in the pinstripes. 12 straight 
wins for the Yankees. When you look on the FanDuel Sportsbook to see where they find themselves in that American League pennant race, the fourth shortest odds at plus 430 behind the Astros, who are the shortest, Chicago White Sox, who are the second, and the Tampa Bay Rays, who are plus 350. So the Yankees trying to make their way in there. They will be in the AL wildcard spot because much like the Dodgers in the NL West, the Yankees are looking up and saying, we can't get anything on this Tampa Bay team. The Yankees now have the second best record in the American League. That's pretty crazy when you think about where they started prior to the All-Star break, but that goes to show how hot the Bronx Bombers have been at the moment. And Ariel, kudos to you because you pulled up this stat about how close of games the Yankees are playing in able to prevail. 66% of their games have been decided by two runs or less in the second half of the Major League Baseball season after the All-Star break. So although there has been some struggles from the late end of that bullpen, mainly a role to Chapman, who had his 300th career save yesterday, the Yankees still able to prevail. And that's a big reason why this winning streak keeps adding up games. It's one thing just you have to look at with the Yankees. There's two trends, one for each New York baseball team that you can bet on and rely on. The Yankees, the tri-bet two, when you win two by two runs or less, it doesn't matter which team does. The Yankees have played the most one and two run games in all of baseball this year, especially on the road in the second half, 14 of 19 games. Oakland, all four games. That's why for the rest of the series, that's probably what I'm going to bet. And it's not juiced. It's minus 105 to minus 120. I never really see it any different than one of those few, like that range of numbers. Also, when it comes to the other New York team, the New York Mets, yesterday, another trend that continues to hit has prevailed again, and the Mets end up losing to the Giants, getting swept 3-2, but that's not the trend of the Mets getting swept. I'm talking about that. I'm not being sadistic. It's unders at City Field. Unders at City Field, they're hitting at 67%, close to it. It's 66.7%, which is the highest under rate for a home team. Then the Mets to the under when playing at home, it's almost a lot. It's just a, it's just a must bet at this point. Oh, absolutely so. And where are the Mets today? Well, I am pretty sure they are home against the Washington Nationals. And I bring that up because it is a welcome sight to see a team not named the San Francisco Giants or the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Mets just played 13 straight games of an absolute gauntlet against the two best teams in all of Major League Baseball. The Mets had two wins in those 13 games, ending with a sweep at City Field against the best team in baseball in the San Francisco Giants. So, thankfully, this gauntlet is over, and it seems like there might be some light at the end of the tunnel because now they have 14 straight against the Nationals and the Marlins, all of those consecutively. So if the Mets are going to make up ground and they desperately need to at this point, it needs to come over the course of these next two weeks. They get the Nationals and the Marlins, the two bottom feeders in their own division in the NL East. And when you look at the Mets right now and where they stand in the National League East playoff picture, because that's really their only way into the playoffs, they trail the Braves by seven and a half games. But the Braves also have a pretty difficult schedule here on the horizon. They have the Dodgers and the Giants here coming up very soon. I believe they begin a three-game weekend set against the Giants this weekend. So if the Braves are playing the best teams in baseball now and the Mets have an easier road, this is their opportunity to make up some ground. And there is some value on the Mets. And I was talking to our man K-Dubs, Kevin Walsh, before this, right as we got on the air. He was saying if you're going to sprinkle, the Mets might not be dead just Yet, one thing that is very much alive when the Mets are playing home baseball games at City Field, you can look to the under almost every single time. The problem and the scary thing with the Mets is that their ace, Jacob DeGrom, initially they thought would be back by the end of the regular season. 
Now it's a lot of question marks as to if he can return. The Mets really needed their ace. And otherwise, yes, it is. there's something to be said about having an easier schedule. The Mets had a really tough last month of August. They had to go out to the West Coast. They faced the Giants. They faced the Dodgers. Now the Braves get a turn at getting a tough spot in the schedule. Maybe the Mets can be live. I mean, this division reminds me so much of the NFC East from last year. So many teams below 500, one or two games above 500, everyone competing to be the best of the worst. Unfortunately, I did like the Braves to win the division preseason, but I can't even say that that was a good handicap. That was just pure luck if it happens. Ben, because the Atlanta Braves have been the most banged up team in baseball this year. They lose their MVP, Ronald Acuna Jr. They lose their starting pitcher, uh, Mike Soroka, who never ended up pitching this year. He was supposed to come back from an Achilles injury from last year. He was supposed to be back in July. Never ended up happening. The Braves just are getting lucky that they're in such a terrible division. The Toronto Blue Jays, if they're in the National League, are in the playoffs. But they're in fourth place of the American League East. I mean, this is just the difference between the American League and the National League this year. Aside for the National League West being unbelievable. But coming up next, we're going to switch over to football. We're going to college football. Joe Lisi from here on SportsGrid, our college football analyst, up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. It is a football Friday, and joining us to help kick off college football season week zero, it is Go for the Two, Joe Lisi. Joe, thanks for coming on with us. Oh, this is it, Ariel. The calm before the storm, week zero. There is no tomorrow. This is it. This weekend, we have uh, college football action and in a couple of weeks, NFL. So the grind starts this coming Saturday. Speaking of that grind, Joe, when it comes to week zero, how much of last year are you going to take into consideration, especially for the smaller schools, and bring it into this year's handicap? I take into account last year every time I do a handicap, especially in the early part of the season. You want to see if those strengths and weaknesses continue, and then maybe you can catch a trend at least in the month of September and have a gauge of whether these teams are going to be in bowl contention or not. And then you have a couple of games like that UTEP and New Mexico State game where New Mexico State didn't play in the regular season in 2020 for FBS schools, but they played in the spring for the FCS uh, schedule. So that can have a factor and a gauge in terms of this handicap against the UTEP minors this Saturday. So, Joe, when it comes to week zero of the college football season, really any start of a college football season, you're going to see a lot of big numbers, both in the spread Mm -hmm. and in the total. So where does your eye go first when you start to handicap these games? Well, I go to the big one, right? The Big Ten matchup between Nebraska and Illinois. And it's an intriguing matchup because last year, Nebraska was at 13 and a half, 
14-point favorite at home the week after they dominated the Penn State and Nittany Lions. The public betted it up to about 16 and a half, and Illinois won the game outright by 18 points with Brandon Peters and the crew. And now you look at the Nebraska Cornhuskers opening up on the road with a new head coach on the other side and Brett Bielma and the Fighting Illini, and the public has already bought in. The Sharps have bought in on the Fighting Illini. Line open up at nine and a half. It's already down to six and a half on the FanDuel Sportsbook at minus 112. So that's a game that Nebraska needs to win. So that's that's the biggest line movement in terms of these Power 5 games early on. That's something that I want to gauge and watch. And, and I actually like Nebraska in that matchup, guys. Ooh, you like Nebraska in the matchup. All right. Yeah, well, there's those are two teams that we saw last year. Now let's talk about a team we didn't, and that was UConn. UConn taking on Fresno State for a Week 0 matchup. Joe, how much are you taking into account that UConn did not play last season and now they're getting 27.5 points? Well, I've said this before. If the kids haven't played for a year and a half, you're going to get their best effort, hopefully under Randy Etzel in game number one. If they're not enthused to play college football, even though they're traveling out west of Fresno, I don't know when you're going to get their best effort. Now, they were statistically one of the worst defenses a couple of years ago, and Fresno State 3-3 three and three in terms of Mountain West competition last year. But that defense really wasn't that great. Front seven allowed 212 rushing yards per game, catching four touchdowns. And that's the thing, guys, is that it's under that critical number 28. It's hanging at 27 and a half, really hasn't moved off that line. I'm inclined to take UConn with the points. I'm closing my eyes, taking the Huskies. I think they travel well. Listen, if you cannot play football and be enthused in your first game of the season after a year and a half, you're never going to get it in 2021. So I'll take my chances in week zero. A quick update, guys, by the way, as I just refreshed the FanDuel Sportsbook. The line has moved once again for Nebraska-Illinois tomorrow to start things off. The Huskers, once again, a seven-and-a-half-point road favorite. <laughs> the juice is interesting here on the spread, though. Nebraska's juice to the minus seven-and-a-half plus 104. So even on right. the spread, a lot of juice either which way. But, Joe, I'm going to ask you about another marquee game, at least as marquee as it gets for week zero of college football. UCLA in Hawaii tomorrow in Los Angeles. The Bruins a 17 and a half point favorite. The total 68 and a half. I know Hawaii is kind of the underdog darling for a lot of people entering week zero tomorrow. How do you approach this game? Yeah, I, I lean to Hawaii as well. Let's not forget, you know, the bullseyes on Chip Kelly's back. He needs to win. He's 10-21 and 21 overall since taking over this program, making $5 million plus a year. But more importantly, Ben, 10-15 and 15 in just Pac-12 play. So that that's not going to get it done. Unless he gets this team to 6-6 six and six overall, I think he's on the outside looking in for, for a job in 2022. But let's not forget that September 4th matchup against the LSU Tigers, right? LSU opened up as a 5 and a point favorite the public bet it down to three and a half it's settled in now at four and a half does ucla who has 17 returning starters coming back this year do they want to show everything from an offensive perspective against hawaii i don't think so and then on the flip side you have a hawaii team that's very well coached under former arizona state head coach todd graham defensive minded coach you've given them all off season to prepare for dorian thompson robinson and that ucla offense they might not win but i like them to cover the 17 and a half point number this coming saturday just as we're seeing in that game with ucla and hawaii just as we're seeing in yukon yukon fresno state 
really large spreads, Joe. That's the biggest difference between college football and the NFL. These spreads in college football are sometimes to a point where you say, oh, my gosh, is this too many points? <laughs> How do you decide if it is too many points? Well, I think you have to take into a lot, a lot of consideration the schedule. A lot of people believe that you know teams, because they have winning records, are good football teams. But if they're beating up on sub-500 competition, which we see in college football consistently across 130 FBS teams, you could get swayed in terms of that. And you can get enamored in certain teams. And that's why you got to break down the numbers. You have to look for the strengths and weaknesses from the football perspective to see if that'll play out on a given Saturday. Saturday. And if that follows with your handicap, then that's a bet that becomes one of my best bets for for the week. So I, I do twofold. I take the handicapping perspective into account, but then I also take the football perspective into account, especially when we're looking at level of competition for some of these FBS Power 5 programs. Joe, you mentioned one of the two late-night games tomorrow to start off Week 0, UTEP and New Mexico State, also Southern Utah and San Jose State. Now, as much of a college football guy as I am, I don't really have a strong handicap for either of those two contests, but that's why we go to you, Joe Lisi. Do you have a lean for either of those two late-night games? I do. The UTEP and New Mexico State game is interesting to me. I like the total there. I think there'll be a lot of points because of New Mexico State playing in the spring. They're the team that I think has a leg up in this matchup because of the consistency on the offensive line, the quarterback to wide receiver relationship. And on top of that, they do get Kentucky transfer Terry Wilson that moves on to the program. He's a mobile quarterback, senior experience graduate transfer, played well last year in critical junctures. He's a mobile quarterback as well, so I think he can make some plays on his legs. You know, catching 10 points in terms of a home dog in this matchup, I think New Mexico State is live, and I think the over is very live in this ballgame. Best total of the day for me, UTEP and New Mexico State over the total, guys. Joe Lisi from here on Sports Grid. You can catch him at Go for the Two on Twitter. Uh, Joe, when it comes to the props, last year I remember you were giving out a lot of college football props. How much are you willing to go back to those week zero? Well, you know, props in terms of if they put them up, I'm definitely going to go with them. I think a quarterback that needs to start fast is in that Nebraska game in terms of Adrian Martinez. You know, Luke McCaffrey is no longer there. Scott Frost needs to get it done. He needs to have a marquee win under his belt. Ben knows in the Big Ten, show me the marquee win for the Nebraska Cornhuskers since Scott Frost took over. He he went toe-to-toe with the Ohio State Buckeyes a few years ago with Urban, lost that matchup 32-20. to 26 as a 26 and a half point dog but outside of that they haven't beaten the better teams in the big 10 this is an opportunity to show out adrian martinez really needs to find consistency whatever passing prop they put and even rushing prop i like him to have a big day saturday afternoon nebraska 12 and 20 in scott frost tenure 9 and 17 in the big 10 5 and 12 against their divisional foes in the big 10 west have never beaten Wisconsin or Iowa in Scott Frost's time. But, Joe, from the Big Ten to the Pac-12, we got news in college football, and there has been so much conference realignment and alliance talk throughout the offseason. Thankfully, we have regular season to get underway tomorrow. But there was some final news yesterday. The Pac-12 deciding, as we all expected, to not add any members to their conference. What did you make of that headline coming out of the Pac-12 yesterday? 
I think it's good. You need to solidify these conferences in terms of we can't just have two conferences in college football with 40 teams each. Just not going to work out. It's going to have a detrimental effect in terms of the college football playoff as well. So the Pac-12 holding suit, the fact that they do have a scheduling alliance with the Big Ten and the ACC respectively, and we saw that game uh, in 2024, right? Labor Day weekend, it will be the LSU Tigers and USC Trojans squaring off. That's what we want to see, Ben. I think the, the conferences need to stand pat. We need to keep this, especially from the scheduling perspective as well. Conference championships matter. Fans and regional games matter, especially the rivalries as well. If we just start coupling 40 teams into a conference, we have the tendency to lose those pa- those traditions and, and pageantry, which college football is built on. So I'm glad that the Pac-12 did that. We'll see now if they could step up and make the college football playoff this season. Joe, who is a sleeper team this year that may not have played as well last season? Maybe we're not looking too closely at them yet this year. Well, I mean, if we're talking big picture, I think, you know, Miami and Penn State have a legitimate shot to crack the college football playoff in terms of their win totals. Nine for Penn State, nine and a half for Miami. Both juice to the over guy, so I like both of those bets. But if we're talking under-the-radar teams, how about Wake Forest? That brings back 17 total starters with quarterback Sam Hartman. They have the ability to start this season 8-0 8-0 before they play North Carolina in the month of November. This is a team that lost in North Carolina 59-53 to last year, averaged 36 points per game. So keep an eye out for Wake Forest. The other one for me is in the ACC with Louisville and Malik Cunningham. A dual-threat quarterback, had a subpar season, Scott Satterfield, and that team really limped to the end uh, finish line last year, 4-7 and seven overall. I knew the, and know they lose some big play talent, but that schedule lines up for them to win possibly seven or eight games. I picked them right behind the Clemson Tigers in terms of the Atlantic. So I like Louisville to go over their win total this year, and I'll give you two unders. I'm dead set on the under in Florida State with Mike Norvell in year number two at five and a half, and Michigan State, believe it or not, with Mel Tucker. This team lost its identity. I know Ben's shaking his head, but keep in mind, this team wants to run the football 2.6 yards per carry, negative nine in turnover margin last year. They didn't get after the passer. Seven games, 12 sacks, and I'm not sold on Anthony Russo or Peyton Thorne at the quarterback position, but I do like Kenneth Walker, the transfer from Wake Forest. He could be a sleeper in the Big Ten this year, guys. I am on record, Joe, saying Michigan State is going to win seven games this year. So I think they go well over their four-and-a-half team total currently posted on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Joe, only about a minute left here. We've had markets up for these week zero, week one games for a while, national championship, all that good stuff. Earlier this week, we finally got make-miss playoff odds for the college football playoff. Any team in particular stand out to you there? Well, I I took three. I took Penn State to make the playoffs, Miami to make the playoffs, and my sleeper in the SEC is Max Johnson and the LSU Tigers. I I really believe in this team, a 25-to-1 shot to win the SEC. You have Max Johnson that takes over, Kayshawn Booty, the next great LSU wide receiver, Davis Price and John Emery, and on the, the, the defensive side of the ball, possibly one of the best defensive backs in the country in Derek Stingley Jr. This team can go toe-to-toe with Alabama from a talent perspective. Schedule starts week one against UCLA. I think they win that ball game and go to the uh, college football playoff in 2021. 
Joe Lisi, catch him at Go for the Two on Twitter. You can also see him at College uh, College Football Full Circle on Monday through Friday, 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock Eastern Time here on Sirius XM Channel 204. And, of course, on the weekends on In-Game Live. Thanks. The winning edge is not just a... SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Time to close out hour one here on the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. It's time for our poll. Let's get to Fade the Public. The poll today is about two rookie quarterbacks that we know are starting for their teams. It's Zach Wilson of the Jets and Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars. Which of these two quarterbacks are going to get more wins by the end of the regular season for their teams? Mm. The public is going with the Jets. They think Zach Wilson's going to be the answer to potentially hitting it over. But in this match bet, they're going to have more wins, the Jets, than the Jaguars, according to the public. 69% say so. Ben, are you fading the public? Yesterday for our Guess the Line segment, I said the Jets would be favored in this match bet, match baking, match bet making matchup that we have done here Whoa, on that's a tongue the twister. show recently. Yeah, that was a tongue twister. The Jets minus 140 in that setting of the line. And I agree with the public. In fact, I love the public right now. I might be public Ben all of a sudden because I completely agree. You know my stance on Jacksonville. We take the alternate team win total of four and a half and the under of that at plus 240. The Jets team win total at six. I don't care if they go under and win five games. I still think they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in this match bet setup of having the most wins for the 2021 NFL season. That being said, the Jaguars team total is at six and a half. Currently, the Jets team win total is six. The Jags juiced to the under at minus 120. The Jets juiced to the over slightly at minus 115. So a very intriguing match bet here, but I agree with the public. It's Jets all the way. Have to make the, you have to make the case, too, for the, the divisions these teams are in. The AFC East is a tougher division, especially defensively, than the AFC South. Yeah, the AFC South has the Titans and Colts, but, I mean, it's at least it's two strong teams, not three. The Jets have three pretty strong teams, especially defensively. Miami's defense kept them in games the last two years. The Patriots' defense is going to be a team I'm going to rely on unders for most of the beginning of the season. And the Bills, well, I think they're going to the Super Bowl, so I hope their defense is good. Coming up next, we do have hour number two of the show. We'll give you an update from around the PGA and talk some more football. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. How to spot a sports gaming winner. They listen to us. Don't rely on luck. Get the expert information you need. The win- 